welcome to a new episode of Land Grant Holy Land in Conversation. My name is Matt Tamanini. On this podcast, we talk to people in and around Ohio State athletics and the sporting world at large to bring you a different insight and perspective to the teams, athletes, and university that you love. On today's season premiere episode, we are in conversation with Corn Nation and Big Red Cobcasts, Pat Jansen. We're going to talk about this Saturday's season opener for the Ohio State Buckeyes as they host the Nebraska Cornhuskers at noon on Fox. Just days after the Big Ten announced a return to play, I joined the Cobcast to discuss the new bromance between the Buckeyes and the Huskers and talked about both teams heading into this unusual season. I will have a link to that episode in the show notes and in the article version of this episode on LandGrantHolyLand.com if you want to hear both sides of our conversation. On today's episode, though, Pat and I talk about what Buckeye fans can expect from the Huskers, as well as some serious and silly topics surrounding the Nebraska team. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with Pat Jansen. All right, Pat, so it's been about a month, I think, since the last time we talked. And first and foremost, I have to know, is the love affair from Husker fans for Buckeye fans still running strong in Nebraska? Or has it changed and kind of resorted back to... uh, uh, the status quo of, of rivalry uh, now that the game is is finally imminent? Uh, so I think it's still there. I mean, especially from the, the, the portion of the audience that really, really, really wanted football. Uh, it's I'd say it's still there, but I, I but I think it like, yeah, everything's kind of starting to transition back to at least football status quo i don't know that i would call it rivalry like we we have a we have a real we have a real jaded view of the term rivalry since moving yeah. uh into the big 10 because you know we we lost all those but we lost all those when the big 12 was formed and oklahoma went into the to the big 12 south but like uh yeah so they've they've tried to really shoehorn the iowa rivalry and so we just that that word doesn't land well but also it's pretty hard to call it a rivalry when you've absolutely just jammed your fist down our throat uh every time we've played in recent memory not every time not every time though i remember a game with uh i guess it was it was it a braxton miller game where ohio state was up in the third fourth quarter and nebraska just made a huge comeback i remember being at a party uh with my then girlfriend and it made me not a very good company for the rest of that party would have been uh, yeah maybe 2011 or something at this point it was, it was the luke fickle year oh yeah Ugh. yeah reminding uh, <laughs> uh it, well and that was a game so nebraska fans remember that because taylor martinez had been getting a uh, a little bit of shit uh from the press and then that was like the classic like Bo Pelini versus the world kind of uh, mm-hmm. moment. But then that was also the game when Bo Pelini was caught on a hot mic on a post game press <laughs> conference uh, complaining about Husker fans. So there's yeah. a whole lot from that game, both yeah. from and and from the, the standpoint of uh, both schools since, since yeah. Bo's a Buckeye. Yeah. I imagine that that game in and of itself could probably. Uh, support an entire like either oral history or a book or a documentary (laughs) itself that 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 game is like just like pure Bo Pelini by the way though too like he was the he was the classic like rope-a-dope boxer because like Nebraska would get 
down big in so many games, teams would just take the foot off the gas pedal. And, you know, Ohio State was a little different because Braxton Miller got hurt in that game. Uh, and that mm-hmm. was the difference in that game. But, like, there was a Michigan State game late in Bo's career where they they were clearly the better team. But then, yeah, they took the foot off the gas pedal. And then Bo's teams could just, like, kind of catch lightning in a bottle late in the game and either make a ridiculous comeback or come pretty damn close to doing it. And I, I don't know, it's a weird strategy, but it, it kind of <laughs> works sometimes. And then there were other times where just it got away, like yeah. the Melvin Gordon, Wisconsin game. Like, I don't know. It's not, it's not a healthy strategy. Uh, definitely not from a viewing standpoint. No, I mean, it, it, you're always at least interested and excited. It might, be with a blood pressure through the roof but uh it always keeps you entertained at least but or well and unless unless it's one of those where it just gets away and never comes back yeah because there were plenty of those too yeah i'm i'm fine like a lot of ohio state fans complain about games not being as interesting when ohio state wins by 30 or 40 or you know play rutgers and you know score 70 points whatever I am totally fine with those games like those. I am very happy to watch Ohio State put up points in the game never to be in doubt. I lived through the John Cooper years. I don't need drama. I went to school during the Jim Trestle era. I don't need close games. Just give me something that's entertaining and a win and I'm fine. I'm not going to complain about how they get the W. Oh, what I wouldn't give to be able to complain about that I know, kind I know, of shit I know, right now. I know, oh sorry. my God. I no no no. I miss like nineteen ninety-five and hanging sixty-three on Arizona yeah. State before halftime. Yeah. Like that that I oh what I wouldn't give for like one of those old <laughs> games against Pacific. Yeah. Like, oh just oh, dear yeah. God. I I want that so badly. Like I, I, I want that for you too, Pat. I want that for you too. I think Maryland last year was like the first time in ages where i was like oh oh that's what that feels like (laughs) okay all right yeah well okay so let's talk about this year's team i mean the big story at least for me being an outsider looking at nebraska is what's going to happen at quarterback is adrian martinez healthy is luke mccaffrey gonna push him like i I know that scott frost has been a little cagey as to who is gonna get the start who's getting more reps with the first team should we just assume adrian martinez is gonna be under center or behind center more than likely um until we hear otherwise or is there reason to think that mccaffrey who's you know from this prestigious football family is actually going to be able to take the job away from him you know what Scott Frost has not become any easier for me to read uh, in the last few years. Like he, but I, I would think, so if Luke McCaffrey somehow takes this job away from Adrian Martinez, he must've put in one hell of an off season because like Scott Frost's whole thing has been standing by his man yeah. in, in Adrian Martinez. Like they, that's been his big recruiting tool. And, you know, Tweedy, our wild card on the podcast has often said, you know, the, like that is a big recruiting tactic, but it is up until a point until you start running guys off because they know they're never going to see the field. Once, once a guy wins the starting job. And that's what basically happened with Noah Vedral going to Rutgers. And that was, uh, sped up by the fact that there was no spring ball because he was pretty certain that he was never going to have a chance to win 
that starting job. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, Nebraskans have a real, real, real knack for, and, and I know every fan base does this, but you know, that next quarterback, he's going to be the one. <laughs> and I mean, that like we celebrated his favorite quarterback is the backup quarterback. Yeah. I mean, we celebrated Adrian Martinez and it, God, that first half against Colorado, his very first game as a freshman, he did look like he was going to eventually win a Heisman. And then Jacob Callier, you know, basically throws his season out of whack by twisting his knee under the, under the pile and changes the course of that game. And probably the course of Nebraska's first season under frost. Um, But I I still think Adrian Martinez can be a good quarterback. I mean, his, his numbers didn't diverge too badly from last year. And it did sound like he was never healthy from the word go. If he could, I, I think he can still be the guy. And I think if Nebraska has any sort of quality season this year, he will be the, the, the guy who stirs the drink and could get back in that conversation of being a high draft pick again. I mean, already as a freshman, people were talking about that. And then suddenly everyone cooled on him, obviously, last year. I, I just the thing that scares me with Luke and Luke has obviously put on some weight from last year, but he didn't look like a college body last year. He's just so tiny. Um, but I mean, you got to find a way to get him on the field, I mean, whatever that is. I don't know. Um, I mean, it's just too good an athlete to not use him in some way. Uh, it, I think whether we see him playing other positions this year will depend largely on what Logan Smothers looks like uh, as a freshman. I think if no, I think if Noah Vedral hadn't transferred, we would probably see a lot more of Luke McCaffrey uh, in other positions on the field, but with limited quarterbacks, unless they want to go to a walk-on and Matt Masker, and with the in- injury history of Martinez, you, you really can't risk bodies too much. Yeah, I, I wondered whether McCaffrey would be willing to kind of take a role more like his brother, or if he would look specifically to maybe transfer and find a place where he could be a quarterback somewhere else. Well, somewhere else, if it's not in Omaha or in Nebraska, well, his, his, uh, his brother just transferred to play for his dad at Northern Colorado. Uh, yeah, I was I thinking of, that. Yeah. I was thinking of Christian, but yeah, <laughs> but I mean, Dylan left Michigan. And so, yeah. or, so, I mean, I could see if it's some, well, I mean, to your point, finding another place to, to play. I mean, that could be, always a viable option and a thing where he wouldn't have to sit out too, cause he'd be going FCS. Uh, but yes, yeah, so no, yeah. I mean, I agree. He's got uh, certainly the electricity of Christian McCaffrey. I mean, all those McCaffrey kids are good athletes, obviously, but I, I think you, you do run the risk if he feels disenfranchised, that, I mean, he's got he's got a ready-made landing spot if he ever wants to go somewhere right away. Yeah. Well, it, so outside of the quarterback position, the the main offensive weapon that I know of when I think of Nebraska right now is Wandale Robinson. Who else besides him should Buckeye fans be on the lookout to think? Okay, if Nebraska makes this a game in the fourth quarter, who is going to be the player that they might be looking to, to score an important touchdown down the stretch? Well, when it comes to skill position players, you're right about Wandale, but he's, he he gets a little banged up and it it sounds like he might be in that situation right now too. Uh, You know, there's been a lot of excitement about Omar Manning, who was initially a TCU recruit, then went the Juco route, but he's, 
been you know there's been questions about whether he's going to stick around on campus uh as yeah i mean he's he's a juco kid you don't always know what you're going to get there but he's he's an amazing talent now whether or not he's around for the ohio state game it does sound like so he put all his nebraska pictures back up on social media so i mean i I think he's gonna i think he's gonna stay with nebraska but whether or not he has a mastery of the playbook for ohio state that's the bigger issue um i i think that if nebraska's hanging in this game um what it will be and you saw moments of it early in the game last year it'll be that Nebraska has put such an emphasis on rebuilding up front and establishing just a mean, big offensive line. Now, whether or not they can actually compete with the athletes up front of Ohio state remains to be seen, but I think it would be, especially with a, an abbreviated spring and, you know, questions at wide receiver right now, either due to injury or flakiness. um, I think it would be, you know, a guy like, Diedrich Mills. I mean, they've got a, they've got a whole stable of running backs right now. They've built up the offensive line. They've redshirted everybody for the last couple of years now, uh, and they've got a, a, a bunch of big tight ends. I think it'll end up being the the run game that gets things done for Nebraska if they're able to to, to stay in this game and just kind of potentially grind Ohio State down. That, that doesn't seem like a thing that we would expect over the last couple of years because, you know, just Nebraska hasn't looked that way. And Ohio state has Ohio state has had NFL bodies and Nebraska hasn't, but I think that's where Nebraska starts to kind of rediscover themselves a little bit. And I think then the offense will, will grow outward from there as the season progresses. I mean, I think one of the biggest questions for Ohio state's team coming into the year is the interior defensive line. They've had a ton of turnover in terms of tackles and nose guards. And now some of the guys that were being counted on to replace them don't seem to be healthy. So I could definitely see a situation in which if Nebraska's offensive line and running game can can do some damage throughout the course of the first three quarters, especially in running inside, that could be a problem for Ohio State. Uh, you know, we don't exactly know who's going to be playing but uh, defensive line coach Larry Johnson has said he still plans to rotate three, four, five players like he normally does. And this year, I just don't know. You don't have the same level of talent, or especially healthy talent, that they've had in the past. So that could be a problem for Ohio State if if the Huskers running game can uh, can make a difference. There's- well, and the thing about that, too, not to interrupt you, like no, no, Scott no. Frost at Central Florida, he usually had about four running backs a game who would play and all very like kind of unique skill sets. Uh, That's kind of what he's building right now um, with his running backs. And especially with that duck R position that he's, they're not going to have Wandale do the running part of that as much as they did last year, because they want to preserve his body, but having someone who can then even complement further from there. I mean, they, that's the part that excites me and and the part that I think if Nebraska finally does get back on track, that'll be what does. I mean, they, they came out and ran an I formation in the opening drive against Ohio State last year, which made every old Nebraska <laughs> fan come in their pants yeah. like uh, that, that that that's that's enough to just buy Scott Frost an extra three years right there. Uh, if and if and if Nebraska pulls off a win against Ohio State on the strength of running, he'll be 
he'll be our next governor. Uh, there's one offensive player that I feel like I have to talk about. And, okay. And that's, and that's not even the player himself, but I want to talk about Cade Warner's mustache. So, okay. So I, his dad was giving him some crap today about it. What is going on with that facial hair decision from Cade? He's got a little bit of a Jordan Westerkamp look to him right now. Mm. Uh, another another good Husker receiver, um, and uh, one from from Ohio. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know, man. Everyone's everyone's bored in uh, in coronavirus times. But but I, I'll say this: Cade Warner is like a sneakily important player for Nebraska. When he was hurt last year that made a difference. He's not going to, he's not going to be a splashy guy, but he, he knows how to run his routes. He can catch the ball and uh, he blocks on the perimeter. Nebraska likes to run this stupid ass swing pass outside a lot, which if it works, you know, has potential, but it just hasn't worked for Nebraska. You know, when it works is when Kate Warner's out there because he knows how to block. Um, I like the kid, man. Uh, he knows how to play football. And you know what? That's a better mustache than I can grow. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. I mean, he's got the little twirl up at the end. Um, it's, that's it, good work there. That's good work. As long as he doesn't make that like the most noticeable figure about him. We had this. We had a defensive end in the Mike Riley era, this Rastazuris from Plattsmouth, Nebraska. Like He was a walk-on. He should we had way too many walk-on kids starting at that time, but like, like the only thing that was like noticed about him the whole time was that he had a super, super twirly villain mustache. And I like, I don't know. I would, I would like to go back to the time. I, and believe me, I'm a comedian. I'm a weirdo. I like weird stuff, but like, I want to go back to the point where people are po- talking about Nebraska football players for playing football. Yeah. But the, the mustaches are fun though. Still, you can fair enough. You can I'll, have I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll give you that. Um, so uh, let's go to the other side of the ball. Um, I, I think that the Nebraska defense has not nearly been talked about as much over the last few years since Scott Frost has been there uh, as the offense has been. What do they do well? And what if they have the ability to shut down one aspect of Ohio State's offense, what might that be? Well, they've recruited defensive backs very well. Travis Fisher's a a, a really good positional coach. Uh, he ident- he identifies the type of defensive backs he wants, like long rangey guys, which is funny because Travis Fisher's a little guy. Um, but mm-hmm. he and but he can he can coach them up well. The, the the difficult part about a defense with Scott Frost, and I think it's part of why he wanted to bring his entire staff with him from central Florida. He knows like that there was a certain chemistry to, to things. Um, but like, it's when you're a defensive coach for a tempo based offense, especially an offense that a tempo based offense, that's having trouble figuring it out in those first couple of years too, you're really behind the eight ball. You've got to be on the field a lot. That was the difference in the Colorado loss last year. And part of that was an altitude, but like um, they, they just wore down at the end of the game. He, Eric Chenander is basically coaching for his job this year. I, I think he's a smart guy, but like they, 
I don't know. They've got to do something, something different schematically because the horses aren't there. Like Nebraska fans all grew up on a four, three and seeing a three, four in at the end of the Mike Riley era and then into the Scott Frost era, it's just been tough to watch, especially because like in a three, four, you really need, uh, you need a chase young type talent, you know, and he would obviously probably be an outside linebacker in the three, four, but you need someone who can just do everything amazingly. And I don't know, it's really hard to get that guy to Nebraska. Um, And so that's what scares the daylights out of me, but hopefully with some of the talent they've recruited up front uh, on the D line, and then a few guys in the linebacker spots in the middle, uh, hopefully that can be alleviated a little bit. I still don't know what Nebraska has got as far as outside linebackers, whether or not there's going to be anyone who can generate any kind of pass rush. That's, that's what terrifies me, but hopefully these long rangy corners can just buy them enough time because I, I do, I'm a big believer in Travis Fisher's unit. Uh, that was a misphrase. Um, <laughs> First you talked about coming in pants and now you're talking about coaches <laughs> units. I mean, man, man, we're going blue on the first, uh, first podcast of the season. A lot of isolation during the pandemic, <laughs> man. Uh, I'm a big believer in Travis Fisher's positional squad. Um, I, hopefully, (laughs) hopefully the, the guys up front can balance that out a little bit. Yeah. So I have to ask about this whole game watch party announced cancellation. Like I'm all for people doing things to enjoy themselves, but I feel like you and I are on the same page in terms of, uh, a lot of the pandemic stuff. Like this was just a dumb idea from the beginning, right? Or am I missing something? No, you're not missing anything from what I can tell. I work for a news organization too. And um, so I was watching a press conference that the Lincoln mayor and health officials were having completely unrelated to the pandemic. Uh, the day that Pinnacle Bank Arena announced they were doing that. Um, and it, it was about like uh, some grant they got to like combat lead paint in houses um (laughs) and then someone asked about it and the the health director in lincoln was like today was the first i'd heard of it it was the day that it was announced i was my jaw just hit the floor i was like well that seems problematic uh yeah i'm with you and and i don't know like Tweedy and I have had a lot of arguments on the podcast and outside of it about like what the proper approach is. Um, Cause you know, the, the, there are a million moving parts to yeah. like to, to games and fans and all of that. And it does seem like by nature of the late start, the big 10 could maybe see what works and what doesn't. I don't know that any of that's going to move with fans in the stands, whether or not they're going to change on any of that. I don't know that it's, I don't think it's necessary. Uh, it, now it, it'll have a huge financial impact on cities totally. like Lincoln. Yeah. But and Columbus I mean, that was too, a, to be honest with you. I mean, Columbus is, a, yeah. is a fairly big city, but I mean, that area around campus is, is huge on game days. Yeah, I think of State College as well. Uh, you totally. know, it's, and I, I think you know that that's going to be huge. But like, <laughs> and so I, I, I don't, I, I, 
I'm smart enough to know that I'm not smart enough to know the answers. And like, I don't know what the, the proper approach to any of it is. I know that if fans, if it's not safe to have fans in an outdoor stadium, it's definitely not safe <laughs> enough to have them in Pinnacle Bank Arena, like chugging $4 Coors Lights, yeah. like, which was apparently one of the things they were offering uh, at this event. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know what anyone was thinking of that. Yeah. And it sounded like they wanted to do it season long, which, but, but the same, but the same thing's going to happen because like bars are open in Lincoln. Yeah. People are going to try and find a way to recapture that game day atmosphere. And they're going to crowd the rail yard in the Haymarket and, try and you know have that game day atmosphere that yeah oh man i don't i don't know how that's gonna go well and i'll tell you i mean there's obviously it's different being in a stadium but beyond being at a game in a stadium like maybe it's just as i've gotten older like i don't really have any interest in watching a game with people that i don't know anymore like i used to go to like game watch you know the the buckeye alumni club uh, here in orlando where i live used to do that all the time used to watch games at, at b-dubs all the time like now i just want to sit on the couch have my own food and actually be able to hear the tv so maybe i'm just old but like i don't enjoy watching the games with big crowds where i can't hear anything and i can barely see the tv anyway yeah, I didn't really enjoy fighting Hollywood traffic to get to uh, to get to Sunset Boulevard and watch. Uh, the, I mean, I once I was there, I did enjoy the the, the people, sure. especially like the people who like worked at the bar that was the Husker Watch site. Um, but like, I just I don't have I don't have that need. And like, yeah, I can I can have way cheaper food at home i can have way cheaper beer at home um like like the last like yeah like you said going into the stadium can be a little different like the last time i went to a husker game in the stadium was uh scott frost's first year when we played uh purdue i i was back in nebraska for actually the the big red Cobcast. we were asked to host an event so i was there the day before and then i went to the game with my dad and like that was i think what's the math here 25 years to the day after he had taken me to my first oscar game memorial stadium so like that was that was kind of like fun and cool but otherwise yeah like i love just waking up staying in my husker sweatpants (laughs) having food i want to have at home and then like the only person i'm annoying is my wife yeah. And if you throw something at a TV, you're not going to get kicked out or arrested. So, you know, it's all good. right. I, well, I may get kicked out. <laughs> That's true. I, I can't promise that. Depends on what you throw and if you hit it as well. So um, correct. Yes. All right. So let's wrap up here on a couple uh, on a couple questions. Sorry, I'm long-winded. No, no, I'm the same way. I always talk about I can't write an article that's less than a thousand words, even if it's like, (laughs) it's just not possible. But okay, so looking at the season as a whole, what are your expectations for Nebraska, whether that's in terms of like uh, a final record, bowl games, anything like that? Like, what are you expecting out of this year's team? Like from a legitimate level-headed non-fan perspective what are you expecting out of them as a team this year 
Well, uh, bowl eligibility finally, since everyone <laughs> has granted bowl eligibility. <laughs> uh, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. The bowl, the new bowl streak starts today. Uh, <laughs> like that's the thing. Expectations have been there for a long time and we've been trying to get back to like nine wins, you know, used to be like the minimum. And then we were just winning nine games every year. And that was both boring and frustrating because we would lose like three blowouts for sure every year and then have four to five losses. And that just, you know, it was, it was, it was not an enjoyable groundhog day. And so, you know, obviously we've been trying to to recapture the magic of something bigger than that. And it's been worse. Uh, and every time we think we're about to turn a corner, we don't. So like in the first two games on this new schedule, don't help much either to trying to uh, to turn things around. The first three of four. Three of four. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then, you know, a, a Pat Fitzgerald team when like everything's weird and not normal and it's going to probably yeah. just be slugfest that's not exactly no. uh confidence inducing either um so all, all we've done over the last few years both on this podcast and just in a fan base is say all right now's now's when we do it but then we don't and, and so I, we've all everyone in the husker fan base just has like the lowest expectations right now i feel like except they're all going to be pissed when we just get run out of the building the first time so i don't know uh honestly i think i think at least 500 is very attainable it, it's going to kind of depend on health and how quickly matt lubick can get the offense and wide receivers kind of all all going if there's any crispness to this offense right out of the gate uh then honestly like two losses is probably the number um oh wow all all i but that's a huge if yeah there's, there's a huge if but that's a great season though i mean that you know with, with that the, would be amazing crossovers yeah Dude, uh, yeah, this this is not an easy schedule. I, I think that, but also I think like the the Husker fan base is a, a big part of this team and of this culture. But I kind of almost wonder if not having them in the building and like waiting for the other shoe to drop might help. I think that might help this team a little bit this year. Um, I just, I, I don't know. There's just so much up in the air. I have no clue what to expect with this team. I, I, I honestly, I'm aiming for, I think, I think 500 is, is very realistic and attainable, especially if they can come out swinging to start. All I really want, honestly, is to not lose to Kirk Ferentz and PJ Fleck. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I understand the Kirk Ferentz part of that very well. Uh, we, we are very well accustomed to, uh, to that, that and, uh, and Brom, yeah, yeah. I just, I don't understand the Kirk Ferentz thing. Like I just, I, yeah. Anyway. Okay. Oh, dude, we, we get like by nature of being next to Iowa and them quote unquote owning us over the last, uh, half a dozen years, like. 
they, they've won on walk-off field goals the last couple of years against not a particularly good Nebraska team. So like, but we hear so much shit from them. Like Black Friday has become the worst day of the calendar. All I want is just to <laughs> shut those assholes up for one year. But they wave hate- to the they wave to the kids in the in this in the hospital. Come on now. Dude, did you see any of the the controversy from two years ago when uh, some Iowa band member like claimed that Nebraska didn't participate in the wave and then someone had video of it and then she's like, well, she, they didn't participate as much as other teams. And it was, the, oh, it was the biggest pissing match of all the online pissing matches I've ever seen. And it was the, it was the most ridiculous like online <laughs> controversy that's ever existed. Uh, college football fans. Gotta love them. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. We could do a whole podcast about the other Big Ten coaches. I'm sure. Um, I know uh, we talked we we talked about some of them and also some of our favorite announcers last time, but we'll we'll leave that for another day. Um, <laughs> all right, real quick. Then, what are your what are your expectations from this game? Do you have a score prediction for the uh, the season opener on Saturday? I would like to keep it within two scores. Um, if that's you know, if we're still halfway in the game in the fourth quarter, then my expectations go up to that seven win range. Um, potentially that that's six to seven win range. If, if Nebraska looks kind of like they did two years ago against Ohio state and that Dwayne Haskins team, then I, then I feel really good. Um, if this is anything like last year where it like you see it and you know, it's over in quarter one, then we're all going to wish we hadn't gotten Husker football back. Um, <laughs> oh, come on now. Is that really, would it really be that bad? Well, honestly, I handle our Twitter account and yeah, <laughs> like I don't want that shit. Like that's, I know, I, I know. Oh, I do the land. I, I handle the land grant one. So I, I understand how people can turn on everybody fast. We're we the the Cobcast is is I feel like a sounding board and I hate it. I hate it. I like and because we talk a little bit of shit like we get it from all the 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 other fan bases, too. And so it's just everything like all I want to do is just throw my phone against the hardest object possible like when it looks like that so all i i want some i want some positivity so i don't so i don't hate life um but my prediction is something in the 38 24 range all right i haven't put much thought into it i know that the line came out on today thursday the day we're recording i think it's 21 and a half um i think that I, I if I ha- if you put a gun to my head or asked me to put some money on it, I would probably go closer to twenty eight. But uh, that might be my scarlet and gray rose colored glasses, whatever uh, coming through. So uh, we'll see, though. I mean, I think it's uh, uh, it'll be fun to have football either way. But like you said, uh, winning or at least being competitive makes football a lot more enjoyable uh, yeah, than the alternative. That's the truth. I I actually think twenty one and a half feels a touch high especially since there will be no uh home fans in attendance fair yeah, yeah. um but and who knows what's going to happen without I mean, no one had spring ball no one really had all the, the summer workouts the fall camps have been weird it, it's really going to be ryan day talked about it in his radio show on thursday like we think we're 
conditioned well. We think we're practicing physically, but until you actually get into a game, we don't really know what we've got in terms of preparedness to actually play a game. Yeah, I, this is so random, but like one of my favorite, uh, like when you talk betting lines, one of my favorite ones was like the the first national championship game that Nebraska was in that I remember was the 93 season when they completely outplayed Florida State, but did not win the game uh, based on a variety of factors. That Nebraska team was a 17 and a half point dog um, and then had a chance to win it with a, a field goal at the end. We left that game thinking, okay, Nebraska might finally be a real team. If, if Nebraska somehow manages to, to be in that sort of same territory with as 21 point dogs uh, against Ohio state, that might be again, the moment where you're like, okay, I think a corner has been turned uh, in, in the way that it wasn't, uh, you could feel a corner turned in that Florida state game. And I think you'd feel it uh, if Nebraska was competitive in this one. Yeah. I, I will just say that as somebody who, didn't really grow up with Nebraska in the Big Ten. Like, I think that the Big Ten is much better and would be much better with Nebraska as a power in the West. And I wholeheartedly and I sincerely mean this. I want them to turn that corner like you're talking about and be uh, a team to put some put some fear in the Wisconsin's and Iowa's on that side. So I hope that Scott Frost does it. I, as we talked about before, I'm, I live in Orlando. So I saw Scott Frost up close for a number of years and I, I really think he has the ability to do it. Uh, I don't know if it'll be this year or not, but I, I really, really hope he's able to get that program going to where it can be a legitimate contender in the West year in and year out. I'd like it to be this year because at a certain <laughs> yeah. point it becomes, I mean, even if you've got Bill Moose saying he's got all the time in the world it does become hard to recruit uh, if Fair. you don't have, I mean, you have to have a winning record at some point. And I, I think he'll do it, but like, I mean, for, for as celebrated as he was coming back, I mean, people are, people are already starting to get a little restless and like, mm -hmm. you know, it's something's going to have to start to, show at least a little bit of promise at some point soon. And I think a lot of that is just, you know, beat the Iowa's and Minnesota's of the world. Yeah. Well, Pat, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, chat. I, I hopefully during the game, since we both run our respective uh, Twitter accounts, we'll, uh, we'll check in during the game, see what happens before, during, after the game, see how it goes. But uh, thank you as always for, for talking. I always enjoy it. And uh, hopefully down the road, we'll be able to do it again. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you for listening to this episode of Land Grant Holy Land in conversation. Also, thanks, of course, to Pat Jansen. You can follow him on Twitter at the Pat Jansen. That's T-H-E-P-A-T-J-A-N-S-S-E-N or the Cobcast at Big Red Cobcast. If you are finding this episode on LandGrantHolyLand.com, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We will be releasing a new episode every single day of the football season with different hosts bringing you their unique focuses and perspectives to discussions from every imaginable angle about the Buckeyes season. We will have discussions and topics that you will not get on any other Ohio State podcast. Also, don't forget to follow LandGrantHolyLand on Twitter at LandGrant33. You can find me at BWWMatt. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks.